At the end of a hard week, it's great to sit down, take some time off, and watch some football. Game-winning touchdowns on two-minute drives, running backs racing down the sidelines with no one to stop them. There's nothing else like the NFL, and there's no better way to make the games even more exciting than to bet on them. So do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag. No one gives you more ways to win than they do. MyBookie's got the fastest payouts and better lines than any other sports book. Don't forget, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on, and mybookie.ag is the best in the business. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. And no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of year. Join now and MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code Locked On to activate this offer. That's promo code Locked On. L O C K E D O N. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Forfeit the game before somebody else takes you out of the frame. Put your name to shame, cover up your face. You can't run the race, the pace is too fast. You just won't last. Finally, the Bucks get a home win to break that losing streak. What's up, fellas? It's Greco from South Carolina. Man, this, this game had me on edge the whole entire time. I mean, Jameis wasn't as accurate as he should have been. But the defense seemed to bounce back, and then they got burned a little bit, and then bounced back. I mean, it was back and forth the whole time. Highly entertaining. Highly entertaining. But, uh, you know, Ronald Jones, one fumble, but, man, he was running this behind off the entire game. Uh, Dean had a pretty good damn game, too, man. I mean, you can see these young guys growing up, man, and, and playing hard, man. So that's, that's all you can ask for. Um, I'm, I'm psyched about the win, man. What's Go up, fun. guys? This is Matt from Morvin, Georgia. I just want to say, fire the cannon! Bucks win! Dang, that feels good. That's the sound of my 30 caliber mini cannon going off. That means the Bucks got the victory today, boys. A couple things we learned today. Jamel Dean redeems himself. Rojo looked pretty good except for the fumble. Bruce Arians is definitely not the referee whisperer, but he's making improvements on Jameis Winston. Ah, feels good. Smell a thin smoke in my nostrils. Go Bucks. Uh, Joe from Ocala. Little horse today. Went to the game yesterday. Uh, uh, Fans that were there were loud, into it, about three quarters full. Um, Really had a great time. Met some cool people. Uh, sat in the end zone about five rows up, and Ronald Jones is a stud. Overall, the guys ground, uh, you know, grinded it out. I met Goldston, uh, saw Warren, was down on the field, met him. Um, Mike Evans came over, Nuchos, Noches, Nacha, whatever that guy's name is. He's a pretty cool guy. Um, they all came up. Chris Godwin gave uh, the kids right in front of me his gloves after the game, so... Uh, shook his hand. Pretty cool guy. You know, just real, real good guys. They were all pumped up about the win, and um, it was, it was a great time. Really had a fun time. Dean got the INT right in front of me, so that was awesome. And then the guys came right over in that corner, and it was just awesome. I loved it. So good win for the boys. You know, um, you know they they fought it out, grounded, grinded it out. You know, Falcons beat the Saints. So you know, let's let's go next week. Go Bucks. I love this team. I want them to succeed. 
speed, so keep, keep grinding it out. What's up, everybody, and welcome to your Thursday episode of the Locked On Bucks podcast. I am your host, David Harrison, joined as always by Evan Winter, both of us credentialed NFL writers for BucksNation.com, part of SB Nation. Today's episode is brought to you in part by Peloton. Right now, Peloton is offering you $100 off accessories when you purchase the Peloton bike. Just go to OnePeloton.com and use the promo code LOCKED, that's L-O-C-K-E-D, to get started. Other than that, you can follow me at on Twitter at DH82 underscore Bucks. Follow Evan at Evan underscore Winner. Follow everything that we're writing at BucksNation.com and at Bucks underscore Nation on Twitter. And then, of course, follow the show at LockedOnBucks. Evan. Uh, we were brought into today's episode by some of the loyal Buccaneers fans out there calling in, finally able to react to a victory after such a, a long stretch of losses for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, guys, we greatly appreciate uh, those of you who called in, and those were the ones we were able to get in before the show here. And, Evan, real quick, let's give the folks uh, your thoughts, and I'll give my thoughts on this this latest victory, this game last Sunday against the Arizona Cardinals. What did you think about what you saw out there? It's a victory, so be happy, um, be proud that your team won. However, um, they got lucky, man. It was a lucky win. Um, just like you could have said, it was an unlucky loss for the Cardinals. Um, your one Max Williams catch away from a <laughs> touchdown and arguably a loss. Um, great game for Jamel Dean. Love to see him bounce back like that. Love to see Rojo come alive in the passing game. That was a wrinkle we haven't really seen much. We've always thought he could do it. Um, and we've we've kind of figured he could do it for the most part, um, but it's good to see him actually come out and do it. Um, but outside of that, man, it was bad. I mean, you had two bad interceptions from Jameis Winston. Um, you had penalties, I believe, nine for 95. Uh, you had injuries. Um, you had players getting benched. I mean, that's not what you want to see in a win. So while, yes, it was a win, um, Tampa Bay just had got the right side of the coin flip on that one. Um, but, hey, we'll see what they can do against the Saints this weekend. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty much on the same in, in the kind of the same boat there. And, and there was a period of time during that game where, I mean, people in the press box were even audibly talking amongst each other, kind of saying, like, neither team wants to win this game. Exactly. Um, because both of them were making just uncharacteristic – well, I don't even want to say uncharacteristic mistakes, but just mistakes that that really are just kind of the trademark of young teams or teams that are still kind of struggling to find who they are on a consistent basis and struggling to find that real kind of key leadership. Um, yeah, the early interception by James, I mean, honestly, both interceptions by Jameis Winston uh, were just bad throws. The first, I, I know for a fact the second one, Chris was was not only just into his break already, but I mean, the route was finished. It really wasn't a ball that should have been thrown uh, to where it was thrown. So things that Jameis has to get cleaned up. And then, yeah, that Max Williams catch, man, I'll tell you, uh, s- you know, sitting there in the press box again, I mean, I was sitting next to Bailey, and Bailey immediately started typing, you know, on his computer on Twitter to get a reaction out. And me, I just kind of sat there stunned. And it, it <laughs> took me a minute. And I literally said, I literally looked at Bailey after what felt like about a minute 
and said, what the expletive just happened? And he just kind of started laughing. And uh, a couple of there were a couple of Arizona reporters behind me. And one of them said, oh, poor guy, like Cardinals fans are just going to murder him for that. Um, and I will tell you that initially I thought he was trying to call for a flag. You know, I, it took me a minute to realize that he was indicating that the sun was in his eyes and that's why he didn't make the play. But, yeah, kind of a gut-wrenching play there. And then talk about luck, you know what I mean? Uh, it was kind of both sides, man. Like that fumble that Rojo had really, wasn't really forced by the Cardinals. Good recovery by Buda Baker, but that's a little bit of luck. But then you go back down the field. Uh, Kyler Murray, you know, makes, makes uh, a very bad decision, I think, on a pass, to be honest with you. But then, you know, the feet get tangled up. Uh, which is why the the flag wasn't throwing on Jamel Dean because it was just you know incidental contact feet getting tangled up. Usually though, when feet get tangled, both guys go down. In this instant, Jamel Dean really seemed to be minimally impacted by their feet getting tangled up the way they did, or their bodies getting tangled up the way that they did, and was able to come down with the ball. So fortunate for them. But I'll tell you, Evan, what I really liked about this game is that this is a game where we kind of look at it and say the defense picked up the offense specifically because of those two interceptions because both of those interceptions could have really turn the tide for the Arizona Cardinals in a really big way. Um, we've seen it before during the season where the defense was able to to come onto the field with a short field, you know, set up poorly by the offense, by Jameis Winston throwing a pick usually, and stand up to to force a field goal. But in this game, I kind of really feel that with all that, the mistakes that were made on offense, the two interceptions, the Rojo fumble, the defense really had to stand up. And I think that the reason the Buccaneers ultimately came out with the win is because a little bit because of Kyler Murray's, you know, inexperience. Uh, some nice touches on a few passes, but overthrew uh, a couple of other passes. But also because the defense was able to come through and do their part uh, to make sure that the team was still in position to win. So we'll see if they can build off of that. Uh, but then, of course, you know, during the game, uh, the buzz, you know, on Twitter, the buzz, uh, Brent Allen from the Petercast was in the stands, and I got a text from him. It was funny because we get a text from Gil saying, Hey guys, pay attention to see if Hargraves gets back on the field or spot him on the sideline to see if he's getting treatment, what's going on there. And then Brent messages me almost right after that and says, Is Vernon Hargraves injured? And I'm just like, the world is just surround. Like, there's a live action football game with 22 players on the field playing, and everybody's looking at this dude sitting on the sideline with a visor trying to figure out what's going on. Um, yeah, man, it was it was an interesting, an interesting moment to live in. And now obviously we know what happened, and then we also know what the repercussions was. Vernon Hargraves being released uh, today as we're recording yesterday, as you good folks are listening to this episode, Evan, you, you wrote the, the breaking news post for Bucks nation. Yeah, that was me. I wrote, I wrote it. All right. So you obviously, so you, you, you know, the news came out, the news was breaking. You, you wrote the post up for BucksNation.com. Uh, what, what are your reactions to a lot of Buccaneers fans are reacting, uh, but what were your just first initial reactions when that news broke? It kind of falls in line with how I thought felt about Brashad Perryman. Um, I definitely didn't want Vernon back next year. Next year, definitely don't want Brashad back next year. Let's go ahead and get that straight. Um, but I mean, is Mazzy Wilkins really a better option? Is Ryan Smith, especially after what we saw last week, is he a better option? I mean, I, I just feel like at this point you kind of run with who you've got. Um, yeah, it saves the Bucks a little bit of money. I think like nine hundred thirty grand or something is what I saw mm-hmm. from Greg Allman. Um, but at the same time, if one of these guys goes down, you're just pulling another guy off the practice squad, off the practice squad, or off the street. Um, doesn't really help depth wise. But at the same time, if he wasn't going to be around here, then or if he wasn't going to be around here next year, then sure. I mean, I totally get it. And 
honestly, I'm okay with it. We don't have to worry about whether or not they're going to pay him nine million or not or not now. Um, just the last thing you don't want to the last thing you want to see is uh, him picking off James whenever the Bucks play the <laughs> Texans towards the end of the year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I'm not going to out them, but there was somebody in our in our group who said if he's even with the Texans by then still. So uh, we still got to see if that comes, but we did get uh, some, there's been a lot of reactions on buckstation.com. We got some reactions as well. And I want to play one of those. Uh, obviously we're going to talk a little bit about it some more, but I want to play one of those voicemails before we finish our conversation on Vernon, at least for now, and then get into the new Orleans saints. Hey guys, it's late in Tampa. Um, just catching up on the big screeners. Um, hate to see him go great person, but I know this is about team. One thing that I like from the night after the Cardinals win is we found out that um, Jamel Dean had learned from last week's mistakes and had spent time with Coach Bowles and film study and we you could see the evidence of that on Sunday. So that to me shows, you know, what he's made up of and what, you know, what he will continue to do. Um, don't really ever remember hearing VH3 um, being said to have done anything like that. Not to say that he hasn't, but typically you hear about it from coaches or the player himself or other players, but we never heard that. So great guy, going to miss him, but it's about the team. Go Bucks and talk to you guys later. All right, so we appreciate the call there, Leighton, uh, about the Vernon Hargraves release. And and Evan, you already kind of spoke a little bit of your piece. I'll tell you this: that I, I agree with what Leighton said. That this is a team move. This isn't this isn't about the individual player necessarily. This is a, this is a team thing. And I, I kind of wrote about this, talked about this on the podcast before uh, when the when the team made some other moves when they released Bobo, you know, after the London game and everything. And some people kind of point to that as like, okay, this is. This is kind of a sign that this coaching staff isn't going to take, you know, those types of fumbles and those types of mental errors in games. It really cost the team because we all remember that when Bobo, you know, muffed that punt and lost it to the Panthers, that the Buccaneers surprisingly still had a chance to possibly come back and win that game. And that really kind of sealed the deal that they weren't going to be able to make it back. But I argued then that that's not a move that's going to ruffle any feathers, you know. And I will tell you from personal experience, when you take over a struggling organization or one that's subpar, not living up to its full potential, and you come in, and you kind of find the guys that are dragging down the room. You kind of find the guys that are dragging down uh, the, the the organization and, and the, causing the most problems. And you do that. You fire them. You remove them from the picture completely. The ones who are left behind, there are still going to be guys left behind who have maybe a subpar attitude. But they're going to wake up a little bit more. And, and you're going to find out, do you really want to be part of the organization and be part of the, the solution? Or do you really just want to do your own thing? They'll work their way they're themselves out of out of out of the team, out of the organization. But it might wake up some of the other ones. And that's kind of and there was a tweet recently, uh, before we started recording, that I saw from Jameis that was quoting Jameis Winston as saying that that was an eye-opening move. And yes, you're taking your most experienced cornerback off the roster, but let's be clear here. Vernon Hargraves, you know, w- was not a leader in that cornerback room. He was not a leader among those young cornerbacks. And Again, another conversation we had previously this year was about the team, and, and Scott Reynolds came on the show and kind of even mentioned that at the time, some of the guys with C's on their chest were some of the guys making the biggest mistakes. And when you look at the secondary that's been struggling so much, you got the young pieces like Carlton Davis, like Jamal Dean, so on and so forth. It's hard as a coaching staff, 
right? So look at those guys. Because really, that's what you're doing. Is you're, you're having a lead from the external. There's really not a leader internally in that group. So you have to lean on your external leadership. It's hard as an external leader to look at that group and it's 100%. You got to keep giving us that extra effort. You got to keep grinding. You got to keep grinding. When your most senior guy is not doing it, is not putting in the effort, but he's still going out there starting. He's still going out there getting the reps. He's still going out there getting the snaps. That doesn't lend credibility to, to your message as, as an organizational leader. So doing this does that. And Evan, something I saw online and something I wanted to talk to you about as well is the difference between releasing this guy and benching him. Where where do you, would you, is there, is there, because there are other avenues. I mean, they could have just benched him. They could have rescinded his fifth year option and told him, hey, you're, you're playing for a contract now. Um, there are other motivational tools they could have done. Do you feel like maybe they should have addressed one of those first before they got to this point? Because I have my own opinion, but I want to hear yours first. Or do you think they should have gone directly to this level? This is obviously all speculation on my end because I don't have uh, ears or eyes inside the building. But I think this is the tipping point of something that just hasn't bubbled up to the surface yet. Um I think that maybe they tried to talk to him or they tried some form of discipline in house to make it private. Um, you know, obviously not fining him or suspending him or anything like that, but, or at least they tried to talk to him. I just believe that they have already tried to take some kind of measure of action before this happened. And the fact that they just saw him doing what he did on that play, that was, that was pretty much it. They just said, nah, man, we're done. You're out of here. Yeah, and I'll tell you, um, you know, some of the, some of the conversation again was was this just based off this game, or was this something that was building? And and again, I don't have kind of like week one to to week nine information on on how this was building and everything else, but I feel like it has to have been right. It was, it was obviously kind of building in the early part of the off season. You know, there was the day where Vernon was sent back to the locker room, basically told go away, and and coach, you know, coach Arians kind of said, you know, you either come ready to, ready to practice or you're not going to practice at all, and you have to ask Vernon about what happened. That really never. That story never really came out. And I can tell you that without any any shadow of a doubt, it was an effort problem then. Now, when you were at practices, did you notice any type of you know sandbagging or lack of seriousness in Vernon? No. I mean, he he always is at least lively in practice. He comes with pretty decent energy. Now he messes up a lot. I honestly should have taken into account the I mean Scotty Miller roasted him on occasion. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever I was there, so I should have taken that way into more account. But I just figured, you know, it was just camp mistakes and his his plays that he were making in camp would eventually offset that. Um, but no, I mean, I've never seen any problem hustling, and I mean, I think if it was that glaring of an issue in camp, um, the coaching staff would have noticed it as well and never would have made him a starter. But at the same time, I, you know, obviously we don't know, so it's it's quite puzzling how it all went down. Um, but yeah, there had to have been something going on behind closed doors that we just don't know about, and that's why we're kind of left here, kind of gra- grasping at straws, trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah, no, exactly. And and I'll echo the same sentiment. The the week I got to send a, spend at training camp, I didn't notice any sandbagging or any you know not taking the practices serious or anything from Vernon. And I even remember praising him at one point because him and Carl yeah. Davis were running sideline to sideline while the second team was on the field, basically doing some conditioning, keeping their heart rates going, and, and kind of making making themselves physically stressed out a little bit. So when they got back on the field to get those reps, so definitely something, but I just, I kind of wonder, man, if Vernon Hargage is one of those dudes who doesn't like losing, but reacts to losing by doing less. You know what I mean? Like a lot of people don't like losing and that there's nothing wrong with that. You shouldn't like losing, but to be a, an NFL, a great NFL player, 
uh, or even have a long NFL career, losing has got to inspire you to get better um, versus, you know, uh, putting in less effort or, or what have you. And I kind of feel like that's probably what ended up happening here. And I also wonder, Evan, and again, this is pure speculation, guys, but we had this thing with Jamel Dean, right? And I talked to a couple guys while I was in Tampa. I talked to Scott Reynolds about it. I talked to Mark Cook about it. I talked to Greg Allman about it. Just kind of their thoughts of, you know, the whole thing that, that Jamel Dean was, was coming out and saying that he, hadn't, he didn't study as well and that he realized how much more he needed to study and everything else. And that's not to say that he wasn't studying film. It's just this isn't a guy who's used to preparing as an NFL starter. He's not a guy who's used to NFL levels of dedication of, of work. You know, and I don't know what Auburn's study habits are, but in the collegiate game, we all know it. That's one of the concerns that they, people had about Lamar Jackson and Pat Mahomes coming out of college was why they were drafted a little bit lower than they should have been is because in college you could see them win with athleticism so much that they could lean on winning with their athleticism. But in the NFL, we all know you can't just athleticism. Your athleticism has to be combined with NFL IQ and a thought process and a plan. And obviously we've seen those two guys come in and obviously so far in their career, they've been successful because they can apply those things, but it's hard to apply. Does this guy have NFL level IQ playing the college game? It's just not an easy thing to measure. And I think what we see here is Jamel Dean, and we all know cornerback is one of those hard positions. When Todd Bowles into his office for an extra hour every day and say, hey, let's study, that means there's somebody on the roster that's not doing that for him. You know what I mean? And again, you look at Vernon Hargraves. I understand he's not a seasoned vet. He's not a second contract guy. He's still on his own first contract. But this is a guy who's been in the league for for go, for four years. This is his fourth year in the league. He's played with Brent Grimes. Brent Grimes is a guy who's known for winning with his NFL IQ versus his physical attributes because, let's be honest, Brent Grimes is not the fastest. He's not the strongest. He's not the biggest. He's not the longest. So Brent Grimes, when he wins or when he won, was with his brain more than it was with his physical abilities. So I believe that Brent Grimes is a guy who probably had pretty good studying habits as an NFL cornerback. So Vernon Hargraves probably learned from him. Vernon Hargraves either knew those skills and didn't use them himself and then didn't pass them on, or he was using them himself, but wasn't passing them on either way. Again, it kind of boils down to a guy who's not really focused on the team more focused on him because again, Jamel Dean shouldn't have to be going to Todd Bowles to learn how to study as an NFL cornerback the guys who have the experience in the locker room should be teaching them how to do that. And obviously it wasn't happening, which is one of the reasons Jamel Dean went into Seattle, not expecting to be a starter that day, didn't prepare as a starter that day, came in, suddenly became a starter, and it got and it showed real fast. And I think what we saw in Ari- against Arizona was him having a week of preparing as a starter. And what we saw was a much better Jamel Dean. So I think we'll see a much better Jamel Dean moving forward. Not saying he's a pro bowler or not pro yet, but I don't know, Evan. What do you kind of think about my conspiracy theories? <laughs> I mean, dude, you, I mean, you never know, especially whenever you've got to ro- manage a roster with fifty-three guys on it. Um, anything can happen. So, hell, keep your keep your thumb on the drive, and uh, and uh, let's see what we can find. Don't don't give up on it. Don't let the trail <laughs> don't don't let the trail go cold, David. Yeah, we'll we'll see. Um, but that's all kind of in the past. I know Vernon Hargraves just kind of happened, but for those of you who haven't picked up on that news yet, he is with the Houston Texans. Theoretically, December 21st, uh, the Buccaneers will be reunited with Vernon Hargraves. And yeah, heaven help us if he gets a couple interceptions. Um, that's that'll be if he's successful elsewhere, that'll be in a conversation for another day. But we're not gonna worry about that right now. We're gonna worry about the New Orleans Saints because they come into town Sunday to face Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And look, guys, with everything that's gone on, here we are, mid-November. The Buccaneers are only three games out of the last wild card spot. Now there's only a month and a half left in the season, seven games. 
So being three games out with seven games left is not a good position to be in, but it ain't over until it's over. You know what I'm saying? Um, so we're talking New Orleans Saints. So I'll start out this part of the conversation like I have with a few others. Can the Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat the New Orleans Saints? Definitely. Um, especially whenever you look at the injuries that we've seen over the last couple of days, last week or so, starting with Andrews Pete. I mean, that's huge. Um, I haven't really began to start looking at my film study just yet on them, but I mean, we're pretty familiar with them from the first time. Um, they're going to play a lot of man on defense, a lot of zone as well. They like to mix it up. Um, and who knows, man, but yeah, they can definitely beat them. I mean, certainly. Yeah, and I'll tell you, you, you brought up the injuries and you brought up the defensive schemes. I'll tell you, I don't know. Marshawn Lattimore probably isn't going to be able to go. I don't think anybody's really expecting that's Marshawn Lattimore. Of. That's the other one I was trying to think of, yeah. Yeah, he didn't participate today, Wednesday, uh, in practice because of that hamstring. We all know hamstrings are, are tricky things, and it's pretty rare to see a guy who kind of relies on his legs as much as cornerbacks do to come back in under two weeks, which he would be coming back in under two weeks. He would be coming back in just a week after injuring his hamstring. So fully not expecting Marshawn to come uh, back for this game. And I feel like going against, you know, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, all those other guys, if this Saints defense try to contain them the way that they were able to successfully contain them in the, in the previous game, I don't see how they can do it really going man to man because of the loss of Marshawn Lattimore. Cause man, I mean, Eli Apple, you know, heaven help him or, you know, all, you know, all praise towards him or whatever, but he tried to fill in for Marshawn Lattimore. It did not go well uh, against the Atlanta Falcons. And you look at Patrick Robinson, who on the on the depth chart for the Saints, Patrick Robinson is listed as Marshawn Lattimore's backup. Now, Patrick Robinson was inactive last week, uh, dealing with his own hamstring injury. Now, he was a full participant in practice on Wednesday, so obviously that's a good sign towards him coming back. But in Lattimore's absence, Eli Apple obviously picked up his role, played uh, in, in that next starter role, moving up the depth chart there. Again, did not have a good day. Um, the, as the Saints secondary got got pretty much worked all afternoon. But the Buccaneers are a team coming in, and if again, if Marshawn Lattimore is not there, I'd be more worried as a Saints fan or as a media member about the defensive side of the ball than I am the offensive side of the ball. Is there any chance that P.J. Williamson or a combination of the two keep Mike Evans without a catch? Oh, definitely not. Um, no, Mike Evans, somebody's going to eat on Sunday. Uh, yeah, and like I mentioned earlier, that's the other injury I was trying to think of. Those are two huge injuries, um, and you're absolutely right. It's really going to change a lot what they do in the secondary on defense. Um, I didn't watch much of Eli Apple when he played in New York, but I want to say New York was mostly a zone team whenever mm -hmm. he was around. I think yeah. that's when they had Spagnolo. Um, But regardless – uh, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens because that's also going to affect their pass rush. You know, if these guys can break free, then that means the Saints are going to have to blitz more with it, which they don't really do that very often. They're able to get enough pressure just off their front four. Um, so it's really going to affect their defense, or at least so I think. But, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that goes. But regardless, yes, Mike Evans will definitely catch something on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, Mike Evans needs less than 80 yards. I can't remember exactly. It's 70-something to have yet another 1,000-yard season just 11 games in or just 10 games into this this season itself. Um, so dude's on an amazing pace, and I don't see any way for Mike Evans to get bottled up, especially for zero catches. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see Mike Evans go off for 10 catches in this game, uh, to be quite honest with you. Uh, really what it's going to boil down to is Jameis Winston making the smiling himself uh, to to succumb to pressure and, and the drive to, you know, uh, hit home runs in every play and uh, put his team in in bad situations. 
But moving on to the other side of the injury report, right? Obviously, Carl and Davis has been out with that hip injury. Did not participate again. Ever, Evan, I don't know if you caught the tweet. I want to say it was Greg Om that tweeted it out. He was seen running on the sideline during practice today, which obviously with the hip injury is a good sign. How how do you do you feel like Carlin Davis has a reasonable chance to play this weekend? I mean, yeah, he he got injured in warm up, so it's not like it was on the practice field or anything like that. Um, obviously, it's been serious enough for him to miss two games. But if he's running, that should help out big time with that hip. It just depends on how on how he can twerk those hips <laughs> just to um, you know see how, how how it all happens and how fluid he can be. Obviously, he's a cornerback, so that's probably the most important facet of his game excuse me, is his hips or are his hips rather, I should say. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, but I mean, there's definitely a reasonable shot he can play um, and hopefully he does. Yeah, I feel I feel the same way. And honestly, when I saw that he was running on the sideline during practice, that actually made me feel really good because, again, kind of keeping everything in perspective, the New Orleans Saints are not a team that the Buccaneers are not familiar with. Granted, the first matchup this year was the first time seeing the New Orleans Saints, but there's plenty of film on who the New Orleans Saints are for the staff to have studied Carlton Davis himself, you know, obviously played against them last year, played against them once this year. He knows the Saints. He's played against Michael Thomas. So I don't know how important it is. I mean, obviously, it's important if you can do it. But this is a situation where working out as much as he can without risking further injury, study sessions for the coaching sessions. I feel like he can get ready for this game without risking re-injuring his hip better by actually sitting out the practices. I mean, I feel like Carlton Davis, like I'm confident to sit here and say, I think Carlton Davis is going to play this Sunday. Again, we'll have to see how the week develops. And I feel like if he's going to play this Sunday, he'll probably practice at least in a limited fashion on Friday. I probably don't expect him to practice on Thursday. The The New Orleans Saints have two losses this year. Both of those losses, they've scored fewer than 10 points. What do you think the lowest amount of points this Buccaneers defense could possibly keep the Saints offense from scoring? 24. I'm going to say 24. Pretty good number. As we always do about this time, give me a key player on offense and give me a key player on defense for this game coming up this Sunday. Key player on offense, I'm going to go Chris Godwin. Um, It's about time for him to have another big game, just like he was having earlier in the year. Uh, It just all depends on if that offensive line can find or give Jameis the time to find Chris Godwin. all depends on that. Um, Defense, hmm, I haven't really thought about this one. Um, I'm going to say Vitavea with Andrews Pete, uh, the Saints left guard, starting left guard, Pro Bowl player with him out with a broken arm, kind of like what Capo suffered earlier in the year. Um, I'm going to say Vea uh, makes some pretty big plays on Saturday or Saturday on Sunday and uh, stops that Saints running game and forces Drew Brees to air it out, which probably is not a good thing. Not really what you want, but either way, Vea has a really good game. I'm actually, I'm going to say he has a sack and a half on Sunday. Nice, very nice. Hope it hope it works out for him. Um, and then and then Evan, I need a bold prediction for this game from you. All right, bold prediction. Um, Jameis Winston throws no interceptions, has no turnovers in the game. That is a bold prediction, sir. And then uh, adjust this uh, before the actual game kicks off, based off of injuries, so on and so forth. But for right now. Uh, with everything that you do know and assume, what is your final score prediction? Right. So this, I'm not going to come out with an official, official uh, prediction until Sunday morning. I'll have that in my preview on um, the game preview on BucksNation.com. Uh, I'll also tweet about it. Um, but right now I'm taking the Saints. I'm going to say 28-21 Saints. 28-21 Saints. I'm going, I'm going basic with the score. Gotcha. I will tell you that I have a different score prediction. It is in the 30s. 
I'm not saying who's winning. I'm saying my score prediction, both teams are in the 30s. Uh, James did pick the Buccaneers to win, uh, which is which is interesting. I didn't expect that from him. But he did pick the Buccaneers to win. And I will tell you that Locked On Saints host Ross Jackson picked the Saints to win, but only by a field goal. So even though the Saints right now, I believe, are five-and-a-half-point uh, favorites here on the road in Tampa, um, he doesn't believe it's going to be that that big of a score gap. He believes Buccaneers will be much more competitive than maybe some people think that they are. So interesting to hear from a guy who covers the other side of the side or the other side of the field that he believes that in the Buccaneers. So we'll see how it all goes down. Uh, Evan, tell everybody. I know you you've already written. We are at Wednesday. You've already written eight things for BucksNation.com this week. Tell them what you've been working on. Tell me. Tell them what you got coming up. Uh, yeah, life of a cripple. Um, really, man, just working. I'm gonna have a podcast tomorrow night. Uh, Thomas Basinger is gonna be on for the second time with me. He's gonna rejoin. Um, and we're just gonna talk a little bit about Vernon Hargraves. We're gonna preview the game, all that good stuff. So that'll come out on Friday. Um, I might write something tomorrow. Not entirely sure just yet what I'm gonna write. Um, but I have a. I'm the best man in my in my best friend's wedding this weekend. So. Once Friday rolls around, I'll be heading down to Hotlanta, so I won't be working on anything really once that once that happens. Dude, check this out. His bride to be, his fiance, uh, are saint her entire her and her entire family are Saints fans. So <laughs> yeah, and I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good friends with her and uh, and her mom. I, I hung out with them for a little while when I was down in New Orleans. We went and grabbed a couple po boys. Um, but, uh, yeah, so should make for a fun time. That's for sure. Her grandpa is the one who, and I'm probably going to get tarred and feathered for this, um, on Twitter, <laughs> but, uh, her grandfather is the one who I put the Saints Super Bowl ring on, took the picture and sent it to y'all. Yeah, yeah. That's, that, that's where I got, that's where I got it from. <laughs> nice. Nice. Good stuff. Hey, I'll I'll tell you right now. You get the opportunity to wear a Super Bowl ring. I don't care what team comes from. Right. I was just like, man, I don't care if my finger falls off right now. I was like, I'm I'm putting this I'm putting this sucker on. <laughs> yeah. So so I no no shade for me on that one anyway. Um, <laughs> but yeah, good luck this weekend down there doing that. Thanks for obviously thanks for everything you're doing over there at Buckstation.com. You know I appreciate it. Hopefully our listeners appreciate. it. We've actually got a few tweets in the, in recent history. Uh, telling us that they enjoy when you're on the show and they enjoy what you have to say. So well, that's nice. Yeah, so definitely. So, of course, everybody, uh, if you like what Evan has to say, follow him on Twitter at Evan underscore winner. Of course, as always, you can follow me at DH82 underscore Bucks. Follow the show at Locked on Bucks. Fight BucksNation.com on Twitter at Bucks underscore Nation. If you haven't yet and you enjoy what Evan says here, he says the similar things except he says it for longer because he doesn't have as much of a time restriction as we do here at the Locked On Podcast Network, which I'm not complaining, but I'm just saying we don't have we they have a we have a restriction. He doesn't. So give his podcast. So it's the North and South Podcast with Evan. He's had some great guests on there recently. He's got another one coming up. Love to hear more of his insight, more of his guests' insight into what's going on with the Buccaneers and what's going to come up. Just do that. If you have your own takes that you want to be played on the air, give us a shout. 813-444-5841. Drop something in the voicemail box and we will try to get as many of them on the air as we can. Thank you, as always, for joining us at Locked On Bucks. She wrote the pink slip and then I just shook my head. I said, I don't believe this. She sent me to the head of the discipline staff. I tried to play it off, so I started to laugh. I said, this story is great. It's a big misunderstanding. One big mistake. He didn't think that it was funny. He didn't even smile. He said, "Mm, mm, mm, you're an unlucky child. I stopped laughing and I said, why is that? He said, just get out my school and don't you ever come back. I said, wait, this is my school and you're telling me to leave it? He handed me my books and said, yup, you best believe it. As I walked up to school, back at the walls, I did gaze and said, man, it's just one of those things.